Wonder how that woman came up with her cool idea and turned it into a business? Listen in to find out how. Welcome to Women Inspired. I'm your host, Linda Ugolo, and on this show I interview artists, healers, changemakers, and entrepreneurs about what fires them up and how they put their dreams into action. Now, sometimes what you are interested in is part of a male-dominated field. Some of us find ourselves in that situation for various reasons. And this is the topic of today's episode. Welcome, Charis Loveland. Thanks so much, Linda, for having me. I'm so glad that you're here because this is something that comes up for a lot of young women who are interested in things like technology mm -hmm. and may have some feelings about, you know, well, how do I break into this or do I belong here? Sure. Tell me, like, w this is something that you do. Absolutely. Okay, so you are, what field are you in? Uh, I am actually in the field of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Wow, that sounds out of my league. <laughs> but it probably, I mean, I could understand that. How, Absolutely. How do I relate to that in my life? Where do I find artificial intelligence and machine learning? Uh, sure, so it's really all over. It's in um, the iPads and the phones that we use. Uh, it is available on websites that we go to. These sites are tailored to the types of information that we personally would like to see. It's on a page that you go shopping that is customized for uh, the items that you specifically are interested in seeing on that website. That is personalized data based on an algorithm that the company has collected about you. Okay, so Even that's Facebook why... Even Facebook Live. You're right. All built on algorithms. So if I went shopping on a web page and I see those items everywhere, that mm -hmm. has to do with artificial intelligence and machine learning? Exactly, okay. yes. So there's uh, math and uh, some subject matter expertise in the retail sector that we can really understand what sort of demographics are behind the person browsing uh, based on the information we know about them from previous visits and can predict the items that they're likely to buy in the future. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's annoying. <laughs> it, it can be a, a bit big brothery, especially the retargeting ads. Those are the ones that follow you all through the internet. Mm -hmm. They know when you're buying a car, as I recently did. Oh, really? Uh, they know what kind of shoes you want and that you were browsing them. <laughs> that, that's really, really funny. So what, what drew you to this industry? Well, I had a quite roundabout path to get into technology. I was always interested in the subject matter, but even from a young age, I tended to have a bigger affinity for English and humanities subjects. So I went to Bates College where I majored in English literature and studied French, never took statistics. Um, and as I was in my first career of publishing, I was editing articles teaching people how to use SAP software. What does that mean? Uh, SAP software is an enterprise resource planning software. It is a huge um, company based out of Germany that is worldwide and many companies run their entire back end, so including their supply chain management, their HR and their finances on SAP. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the storage of important data and then sharing that information to make business insights and decisions. So as I was teaching people how to use this software, I really found that I had a knack for explaining it in a very straightforward manner. And I loved the challenge of that, you know, so much more than editing and correcting people's grammar and sentence structure. I really like to discover the technology myself and then explain it back in a way that makes sense to everyone. 
So from there, I decided to go into the, the field of technology and I've been doing it for 15 years. So did you have to take classes or how did you? Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, I, I certainly learned a ton on the job, but really I relied on my fantastic liberal arts background uh, because technology is a language just like everything else. So mm. as I was a scholar in French, now I'm a scholar of machine learning and really have um, relied on my colleagues, on online resources, the massively open online courses called MOOCs, um, to learn all sorts of machine learning from some of the best uh, scholars in the industry. You can take courses from Andrew Ng, who is a, a big name in machine learning. There's MIT courses online for free. Um, I, I take a Python class to learn Python through the Boston Public Library's site has a license to lynda.com. Mm. So really the information is at your fingertips if you're willing to spend the time to learn it. Mm -hmm. So would you say that this is a great field for women? Absolutely. I have felt very supported by a number of allies in the field. Um, personally, I think the problem starts much earlier than actually entering the field of technology. I think it's a mindset problem with young children, which is why I focus so much of my volunteer time on STEM educational outreach, especially in the elementary school set. I really felt as a, a young uh, elementary and middle high school student that math really wasn't my thing. I, it took me longer to understand it and I didn't understand the importance of it. And so the rest of my career I've had to spend catching up, reading tons of books on statistics and doing a lot of self-learning. And I think had I realized the value of it and that I, I could get through and understand it if I applied myself and tried, I would have been a more well-rounded student. Mm -hmm. So I, I like to do my volunteer work focused um, exposing uh, elementary school kids through the Hour of Code, for instance, to show them that technology is a great field for everyone. And learning some of these basic programming and logic skills uh, is a really fun way to get started and learn about um, such a challenging and expanding field. Oh, that's great. So you're trying to change how many people or how many kids grow up feeling, oh, this is a possibility for me. Absolutely. But what about for you? What was it like going into a mainly male-dominated field? Did you feel out of place? Did it yeah, it, it certainly was intimidating, especially at first early on in my career before I had found, um, I guess, additional uh, ways to educate myself and also had a MBA focused in technology from Northeastern under my belt. Those, those first few years felt uh, very intimidating to me and I definitely suffered from some imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So what, what are some of the things that freak came to you in the imposter syndrome? Um, sure, it's, it's a, an affliction that uh, it really affects everyone at different times, but really uh, erodes your confidence levels. And it's kind of this voice in the back of your head saying, you know, hey, you're, you're a girl from rural Maine. What are you doing in this boardroom with all these men in suits, you know, trying to explain technology and trying to lead products? You're, you know, and so that kind of, voice that you don't belong here, there's no one else like you, you're not good enough. I, I've heard all of those voices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what changed for you? Because now you seem so <laughs> 
cheerful and passionate about what you do. I will say imposter syndrome certainly rears its ugly head as you go throughout your career. So now that I feel comfortable as a woman in technology, I also sometimes feel isolated being a woman in machine learning and AI because there's, there's even fewer women in this specialty. So I, I fall back on some of the first things I did to combat my imposter syndrome, uh, which was really I recognized it in 2010 when I went to the Grace Hopper Conference for Women in Computing in Atlanta. And I was surrounded by 3,000 really powerful, awesome women who all worked in tech, many of them programmers and developers, many of them uh, tech adjacent, uh, UX design and sales and all of those functions that keep tech working that aren't writing the programs. And I really felt part of a community. And I developed uh, some relationships with different mentors at that time at my company, and I saw so many women who had either roles in technology where they were software executives, but you know they they like me were English majors or they had a business background, and I realized I didn't need to you know have studied math from age three to be here. I deserved to be here. I'd worked really hard to be here, and let's see what else I can learn to feel even more a part of this community. Mm. So what would you advise other people to, or other women who enter this field and may feel a little out of place, what, mm -hmm. what, what would you advise for them to do? I definitely would look for mentors. Uh, they have helped me throughout my entire career. Uh, for instance, when I was choosing what type of education might bring me to the next level in my career, I did a number of informational interviews with uh, VPs at my company, others I had met at this conference, and just ask them, you know, what would you look for in a degree? What do you think I should study to really make myself stand out? And got some fantastic advice. Uh, there's also a... Such as? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, for instance, uh, one, one VP based out of um, the South told me, if you have a, a degree, even if you're getting it part-time and you're working full-time, that just shows me how much dedication and motivation you have to get this degree. Oh. That would really impress me. Mm -hmm. And another uh, great piece of advice I got was to make sure my MBA was not a so-called vanilla MBA. Make sure I specialized in the area that I was interested in. So that led me to find this Northeastern degree in technology. That's now, they call it an innovation program. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a lot about product management and business strategy, all focused on the tech world. So it was a wonderful program for me and I learned a ton. So uh, get a mentor. Attend a conference of women in tech to get, to get that kind of community mm -hmm. uh, networking going on. Right, and in addition to that type of community, just the, there's certainly lots of events, but there's also just evening-long events and groups, especially, um, I'm most familiar with the Boston community, but there's She Geeks Out, Tech Ladies, Women Who Code, Women in Technology International, there's so many evening meetups, both to support women in the field, as well as in your area of subject matter expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, I teach at General Assembly, and they host a number of evening meetups where you can meet like-minded individuals, as well as uh, just meetups in general. There's so many, there, I think there's 20 meetups in the Boston area that are focused just on artificial intelligence. So if you live anywhere near a city, yes, check out meetups. Exactly. That's fantastic. Wow, so what would you, if you were to 
wave a magic wand, mm -hmm. what would you want men to do? Or how would you want men to be different? Or what do you want men to know who are in the field? I think it would be an understanding of kind of the difference between inclusivity and diversity. Diversity is just getting a seat at the table, right? And being a good ally and, and just thinking of your women colleagues. But actual inclusion for us to make a change in both the number of women who work in tech and have roles in power in this industry. The inclusion part is after the seat at the table, making sure women's voices are heard, making sure the voices of other minorities in the field are, are heard. And if you can just embrace this, this culture and attitude of inclusion, I really think it's best for, for everyone when you have more diversity and representation mm -hmm. in, in your decision making. So um, I've, I've run into some fantastic allies uh, in my career and um, so continue to, to be, be an ally and uh, just really understand how, you know, the difference between making real change and just, you know, kind of representation. Mm -hmm. Representation matters, but mm -hmm. the next level is that inclusion mm -hmm. of ideas. Mm. So let's say a company has a team of male developers. Mm -hmm. um, would you recommend that they hire one female or would you recommend if they're going to bring in female or any kind of representation mm -hmm. of uh, another group, several people? Like what do you think would make, like is it good enough just to hire the token person? I, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, certainly you need to examine hiring practices at companies. But in the, the case of a, a male-centric development team, I would want to understand who your customer is. Um, for instance, uh, I worked at Rulala for a time, an online retail company in their data science department. And Rulala's customers are predominantly female. So even though my team was very male-oriented, I was the only uh, female on our scrum team, which is a kind of a code uh, tech term for a group of people who develop software together. <laughs> uh, still, our audience was female. So it's okay if you know you are not female yourself and you don't necessarily even need to, to bring one on uh, a woman on board. But if you're designing software for women, you better be talking to women a lot about their their needs and what the software can offer and understanding the, the gender dynamics and differences in building these algorithms. Mm -hmm. um, algorithms are really only as good as the biases that the creators make. Mm -hmm. So uh, they can certainly introduce both some very explicit um, gender bias, but also implicit. Uh, there's, there's kind of this concept of um, stereotypes and biases that get translated by proxy variables such as a zip code. So you might think zip codes have nothing to do with race and ethnicity, but they absolutely do. Mm. So you need to be careful if you're using a zip code as an input to something like understanding a credit score and whether you're going to offer uh, credit to someone, mm -hmm. um, the use of that zip code. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what are 
with some of the resources that you mentioned, MOOCs? MOOCs. Oh, MOOCs. MOOCs. Yeah. How do you spell that? M-O-O-C, Massively Open Online Courses. Oh, I like the name of that. <laughs> and so they have great tech courses. Yeah, there's uh, several out there. Um, there's uh, so many different types of platforms. Khan Academy, K-H-A-N, for instance, is for kind of bite-sized learning and understanding ideas um, about finance and other interesting topics. And then there's um, other courses like Udemy and edX and um, just a, a variety of online courses where you can go. And a lot of the universities will have their course where open uh, to audit. So like MIT, you can go and take an MIT or a Stanford course. And uh, another um, employer of mine, Emeritus, has a fantastic platform where they partner with universities like MIT to offer really specialized, uh, tailored content in different areas like mm -hmm. machine learning. That's great. So did you feel like you were always taken seriously or did you have any times where you felt like because of your gender? Um, I think it correlated really quite a lot with my own confidence and the way I could deliver my message and carry myself. So that ties back into the imposter syndrome, nice. right? So I feel like I've always had a voice in my organization, but you know, it's certainly there's there's been times where I feel that I might have had to push, you know, harder than a male colleague. So I know from our talking previously that you have done a fair amount of speaking around. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I help people overcome the fear of speaking either on camera or, or in any, any place where they're presenting themselves. What was that like for you and how much do you use that in your work? A ton, actually. Um, my communication, especially in terms of explaining really complex technical ideas, is absolutely essential to the work that I do, and I think it's what makes me so successful. Uh, but really, um, that communication I've honed, you know, through my liberal arts degree, through my MBA, I was always up in speaking in front of my class. So an MBA is a fantastic way to improve your, your speaking set. Um, but one of the habits that I've found that has made me most effective in recent years is setting goals annually. Um, so I do a plan for every year, and a couple of years ago in 2016, one of my goals was to become active in the Women in Tech public speaking circuit. So I uh, started with a talk that I gave um, through the Data Women Meetup um, at Rulala, and it was attended by over 100 people, and it was great because I really pushed myself to speak about a technical topic. Of course, I, I love speaking on imposter syndrome and women in tech and STEM volunteering opportunities, but I said, you know, instead I'm going to present my affinity matrix that Rulala had, had built and used to some success and really focused on a more technical idea for my so, first so talk. So that was exciting. <laughs> it was nerve-wracking, but nerve very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, since then I've, I've grown more and more comfortable with it, and it's really... Uh, for me, it's about that process of, of feeling comfortable and, and some of the techniques that I use to kind of prepare for an event. Well, tell us about some of those techniques that you like to do. How do you, how do, do you have a ritual that you go through? I do. I have a series of rituals that I've picked up from a number of colleagues, especially those in sales. So the, the first one is uh, direct from uh, some, some colleagues. 
uh, who work in sales and they're doing cold calling and it's it's very intense. So they give themselves a pep talk. Mm -hmm. They uh, look in the mirror and you could do this either in an unoccupied bathroom or your car mirror and you just give yourself a pep talk. I you know I say Charis, you're awesome and excellent and articulate and confident and you're going to rock this interview. So I, I just give myself a, a pep talk out loud. And I also will do the power pose. Are you familiar with power posing? Yes, with Amy Cuddy's. Yes, mm -hmm. Amy Cuddy of, of Harvard. Harvard, yes. So uh, my favorite one is the, the hands on the hips where you just kind of stand and take up some space and take some deep breaths. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I usually combine those two and I have some uh, music that I like to listen to. Um, my favorite is Amanda Palmer's In My Mind, which is uh, just a little song that gets me in the right frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And finally, I do the responsibility transfer. I, I tell myself, I've done everything that I can to prepare, and the rest is up to the universe. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm yes. just going to take a deep breath and let it out. Yes. And uh, then I feel fully engaged and, mm -hmm. and ready to speak to an interviewer, my audience, mm -hmm. Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I am with you on many of those. I've tried them all because mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like I'm the was the queen of managing fear for many years before I figured out how to get over right. it. But the the transference of responsibility, I really love because I think there is, regardless of our level of preparation, we have prepared as much as we are mm -hmm. or have done. Right. It's the reality, and I hand it over to trusting that whatever I bring is going to be what is needed. And, and just trusting your preparation and mm -hmm. trusting the universe to bring you good things. Yeah. And, and also, it's, it's an acknowledgment that it's really not under your control mm -hmm. how it goes. If you're mm -hmm. interviewing for a job and you don't get it, there are a, you know a million factors that could determine that That's you know right. none of that have to do directly with your ability to do that job yes and it takes us into another kind of mindset of that the universe is on our side and the things that are supposed to work out will work out and it, exactly. the things that happen we have the resources to deal with it's that sense yeah. of optimism that yes. i think has carried me through tougher times yes it's very very helpful to be optimistic <laughs> one of the things that i you know, there was some controversy over Amy Cuddy's um, research techniques. Sure. You know, in terms of being able to replicate her her studies. But there was an interesting study that came out of Britain mm -hmm. not too long ago that, because one of the things that Amy Cuddy had said was the, the poses that broaden your body are enhancing to your confidence and the ones that are closed are less so mm -hmm. and diminished. The, the testosterone or the hormones of confidence. In this study, they were looking at yoga poses. Okay. And what they noticed that the poses where you put in effort, mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not they were open or crossed, like you could do a, a crossed yoga pose. Mm. That's a tongue tie. <laughs> a crossed yoga pose mm -hmm. that was equally effective. Interesting. Because it, it it engaged your strength. It engaged the, the um, neurophysiology of confidence, even regardless of if you were twisted up, right. like your legs were crossed, your mm -hmm. arms were crossed, but they were in such a way that you were in, um, 
uh, telling the body or giving the body the information that this right, is. Right, that, that cue that, that something cue. important is coming up. Yes. And, and I think it, the rituals are really all about that engagement and preparation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone should adapt the process to what works for them. Um, but I have an article on my blog about eight tips for preparing for for interviews, if your uh, viewers oh, are interested. Oh, absolutely. And what is your, your blog um, It is uh, charismama.blogspot.com. Can you spell that out? C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A-M-A dot B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Blogspot.com. Blogspot.com. Oh, that would be a great article for yeah. our listeners. So what do you wish that more women would know or more girls would know? That their confidence really lies within them. No one else can tell you that you know, you're not good enough. Really, you have to, to look in deep and say, you know, I belong here just as much as anybody else and I'm going to do my best every day. And cultivating that practice of self-worth and self-confidence, whatever it is. So. Uh, for me, I have a daily meditation practice. I know a lot of friends have uh, journaling practices, uh, take time for self-care. So it doesn't necessarily matter what it is, but, but just investing in believing in yourself. No one else can bring that for you. That, that is just such an internal drive that once it's activated, it just carries you through anything. That's beautiful. I love to ask my guests to pick a card and just riff on how, what it means to your work or philosophy. You can just, yeah, just stick Shake your hand up. in All and, right. and see what comes up. Let's see what we've got. Boldness. Oh, that's a great one for women in tech. So uh, boldness, for me, it's part of it is feeling initially out of place in a place where not very many women are. So, but by really embracing some confidence and self-esteem bolstered by the preparation I've done, not just the preparation in the moment, but the preparation in taking those MOOCs and investing in my education and getting my MBA and reading. I, I read all the time. I read about 80 books a year. Um, so knowing that I, I can go forward in the world and be bold and bring new ideas to the table and just really share the information that I've learned along my journey. That's one of my favorite uh, things to do is to teach people about technology. And it's uh, since I've been working for myself, have been able to do that with a lot more regularity and have just really loved sharing what I've learned with, with other people. That's so. wonderful. Say again the name of your uh, blog. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's Charis charismama.blogspot.com. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You are an inspiration in boldness. <laughs> and may we all follow in your footsteps. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Linda. It was a true pleasure. So I hope you were as inspired as I was about this whole field that can be opened up to women in technology. So if this is something that's interesting to you, go forward and take the leap. And if you are taking a leap in your speaking and you would like to bolster your confidence, I have a guided visualization that is absolutely free. You can download from my website, lindaugalow.com forward slash speaking confidence. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to tune into the next episode of Women Inspired. Thank you for listening to Women Inspired. The show is recorded live in the studios of Bedford TV in Massachusetts. Music courtesy of Sheik Gamin. If you like this episode, please leave a review or comment. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or watch all the TV episodes of Women Inspired with the show notes and links at www.lindayugalo.com forward slash TV.